Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about autism stories. I've heard many say your best years are in high school or even in college. And for my life, that couldn't be further from the truth because my 20s were definitely better than my teens, and my 30s were better than my 20s. And now, being in my 40s, I can say without a doubt these have been the best years of my life. That's why I'm excited to talk to Ryan Steiner on this episode of Autism Stories, as he talks about why moving into his 30s and beyond have been the best years of his life. Part of that is picking up the sport of running and also having a daughter, and how running has grown the relationship he has with his daughter. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Ryan, welcome to Autism Stories. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I wanted to start out and learn where does your story in the autistic community begin? I mean, I guess the community way later than I really should have. I grew up in an institution. I went there when I was 10. I was taught to hide who I was. I didn't really realize that there was a whole community of people like me until I was in my early 30s. So, and then I really tried very hard to integrate into a community of people that could relate to me. (laughs) I'm curious, growing up, an institution. What is your opinion on those types of places for autistic and um, disabled people? I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. Like, my life was horrible. Like, when people tell me that I seem normal, like, they are like, oh, you don't seem autistic. Like, I relive all of that trauma that made me not seem autistic. So I hate it. I hate that people are treated that way because it's hard to exist that way. Now, I read something where you said that a lot of people, I think, can identify with, and that is that eating is a sensory experience that you can lose yourself in. How did eating cause you some problems earlier in your life? I was put on a lot of experimental medications that intensified weight gain, And then that was coupled with the only thing I really felt like I had control over was eating in my life. And I don't really notice if I'm hungry or if I'm full or if I'm thirsty. And so for me, it's more about the flavor and the smell. And I just, I won't stop. I can't, like, if I love it and it feels good, then I seek sensory. And so, like, I just fill my whole mouth. It's like from plate to mouth nonstop and it's like stem eating. I'm just like in a zone and I can eat an entire bag of chips without thinking in less than five minutes. And 
So it caused me to be able to take in so many calories that I actually got up to over 700 pounds before I was 18. Now, I also read um, where your Nana gave you some great advice that life will get better for you as you get older, as you get into your 30s. Uh, I can certainly vouch for that being a true thing. And many great things started to happen to you in your 30s. Um, One of those things was that you learned how to skateboard. Why was that something important for you to try to learn? Well, I got to a point where I was in college and I learned, it really helped me to learn about autism from the outside in and understand kind of like, okay, so why people did what they did because I didn't understand some of the things they wanted me to do. So had I been able to understand it, I might have tried it. So um, one of the things I learned was that exercise and proprioceptive exercises like lots of lifting and swinging and pulling and things like that can help us like regulate all of the things that make me dysregulated and so but I was really really fat too and so I needed something that seemed easy and I'm not very coordinated at all but I was always very jealous of my little brother skateboarding and so I decided I was going to try to longboard and by the end of it, I was longboarding the five mile from my home to college every day. And I'm not great at it. I don't fall, but I still only just plant my one foot and I can kick and I can cruise. No tricks. I'm very uncoordinated. But I start to lose weight and I start to really fall in love with fitness. And it definitely brought a whole lot of clarity, especially in social situations, because I want to be social. I want to have friends. And a lot of times people thought that wasn't really a desire, but it was just like, didn't know how to do it. It's interesting hearing you talk about skateboarding because I watch a show on HBO called Betty and it's about um, younger women skateboarders. And it looks like so much fun, but me being in my early 40s, I'd be very scared to see what ligaments that I uh, break or pop if I did try the skateboarding, even though it looks like something I would want to try. Yeah, well, the longboard is super, super sturdy, and it goes over, it rolls over most things. I don't think I could do, like, the trick skateboards and stuff, and I've seen the dance, the skateboard dancing they do and stuff, and, oof, no. (laughs) (laughs) You know, something else that happened to you in your 30s is that you met your wife, and and she helped you to get involved in another type of exercise that is near and dear to my heart, and that's running. How did she initially get you to start to run? Well, when I was younger, I would like kind of go in the zone in my head, and I would close my eyes, and I would imagine that I was running. And so I expressed that to her, that it's always been this thing that I felt like I was meant to do. I was meant to run. I was meant to move like that. Somehow I knew like instinctively that that would calm the vibration because I just vibrate constantly. I'm just like, ah. and so I knew because I would do it in my head and it would help a little. And so I told her and she actually works with people on the autism spectrum. And so it was really kind of fun to try out new things and talk to her and stuff. And so she was like, let's just do it. I think you can run. You're getting quite fit. I think you can do it. And she had just taken up running 
And so I chased her for what she told me was a mile, but ended up being two miles. <laughs> and I stopped a couple times to holler at her that I couldn't keep up, but she just kept going, come on! And so I did, I mean, pretty much continuously for two miles. And I was like in love with how I felt afterwards. Like I felt alive and I felt like I could feel my body. Like I was aware of everything. I existed in space differently after a run. So the first time you ran, you chased her for two miles? Yeah. That is super impressive to run two miles when you've never run in your life. Well, I was doing a lot of cycling at the time. Okay. And on a BMX bike. So I was stand-up cycling, and I've been doing the skateboarding. So that's why she was like, I think you can do this. <laughs> now, you mentioned something a minute ago about, you know, the vibrations. I mean, I think that... We as humans are all kind of vibrational beings. Talk a little bit about those vibrations that you feel. I just like, I'm very in tune to my environment physically, and it's everything that's happening in my environment. I feel like I'm like a battery that's charged up really, really high and turned on. I don't know if it's part of the anxiety or if anxiety is just included in that because I was taught to suppress it so much, you know? And so I just kind of like, shake from the inside out always unless I've just run then the shaking goes away like I've discharged some of that into the world and and sometimes it's beautiful like sometimes I'm walking in the woods and I'm vibrating and I'm feeling all of that nature coming into me I just feel very connected to water and air and all of that now, I'm always interested in how people propose. So how do you propose to your wife and ask her to marry you? I asked her if she wanted to go for a trail run, and uh, <laughs> we went to our favorite little state park that we like to run at. And I kept stopping, and she turned around, and she's like, come on! And I was trying to find the perfect spot and <laughs> the courage to ask her to marry me and I had a ring in my pocket and I just kept going and I'm like nope not this spot nope not this spot and then I would find a good spot and there was people there and we're both really introverted and shy so I didn't want people to see us do that and then finally like we came over this hill and there was this bridge and you could see the sun setting and I was like this is the spot and so I slowed down and there was people walking so I kind of pretended I had a cramp so I could let them go by and then I got down on my knee, and she was like, oh my gosh, are we really doing this? I'm like, oh goodness, yes, I think. <laughs> so it was great. And actually, it's funny that you asked that question, because it was eight years ago today. I got my Facebook, it popped up in my memories this morning. <laughs> wow. As a runner and an introvert, I really identify with that story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you and your wife decided you wanted to have a child and eventually having, you know, you had fertility issues, um, but you were able to have a daughter. Can you talk about how November 8th, 2015 changed your life forever? Well, we had just found out that weekend. That was a Sunday. We had found out on Friday. We had gone to a sonogram. Everything was great. And Kala... We knew her, it was going to be called, her name was going to be Kala. We found out she was going to be a girl. And on that Sunday, my wife, like, didn't feel well all day. And then she went to the bathroom, and I actually heard her water break from the front of the house. It was that much. And 
And so it was like a movie running through the hospital with my daughter being born on the way in. But she was born at 23 weeks, and they didn't think she was going to survive for a long time. You know, when she got out of the hospital, you and your wife, Kala, when she got out of the hospital, you and your wife eventually decided that you would be a stay-at-home dad to give your daughter the, the support that um, she needs. Advantages only a full-time stay-at-home parent could provide. What's been your experience as a stay-at-home dad, not only caring for herself, but as a parent caring for yourself as well? I mean, it's really been awesome. Like, I, there were a lot of down times, too. Uh, but we made the decision because I could call it have a whole lot of special needs, and I could really focus on that, like, let that become my special interest for a while and really, like, be super attentive because, like, I just wanted a kid so bad that when I finally had one, it was easy to just research all the things that were wrong with and try to fix it, and I was always very involved, so we decided that. And so then it became my life for a really long time, but I felt like I was losing my identity for a while because I had been in college. I was going to become a psychologist and do research in autism, and, and then I was just a robot every day with taking care of all these really hard special needs like confusing equipment and things like that so I felt like I lost my identity but then when she started interacting more and I started noticing a lot of myself in her it like ignited this like fire inside like I had this opportunity to directly impact somebody who was going to experience the world like me so <laughs> it makes me emotional to think about it so it's been wonderful. Now you mentioned kind of losing a little bit of your identity as a full-time stay-at-home parent and you stopped running for three years as you were taking care of your daughter full-time. However, when you started running, you re restarted running, you, you weren't alone as you brought your daughter with you on your runs uh, with her being a, in a, a wheelchair as you ran. How um, has running with your daughter, how has it been different and how has it kind of helped the both of you? Well, I mean, when I started feeling like I had lost my identity, I wanted to find, I need to find a way to feel like I was a whole person again. And I kind of felt like I knew that running would make me feel like that. So I knew it needed to be something I didn't have to put thought into. Like I couldn't pursue this separate psychology degree because Colin needed all of the cognitive spoons I had to give. And so I started out walking with her and kind of just jogging a little and she loved it. But then we came back to the house and all the things that I was trying to teach her, like just stacking rings and stuff like that, because she doesn't understand the point of those things, so she doesn't want to do it. And then people label her in these labels that I know aren't accurate because she's so smart. But she doesn't do things if she doesn't understand the purpose. But that forward movement, even though she wasn't the one running, it made her more able to focus on what I was trying to help her do when we were working on things at home and she just started to thrive and do things and communicate 
her needs and in in her own way, like she created her own ways to communicate these things. And she always like has these bursts after runs. And I started feeling better again because I was getting those bursts of, you know, my own development and stuff. So it was just, and it became something that we watch YouTube videos of runners together. And so it's this shared special interest with my daughter and it's so parallel play because she does her own thing. I do my own thing. We're not bothering each other, but <laughs> we're together. Uh, it's the best. We just finished a 50K over the weekend. We ran for 11 and a half hours together. I, I was going to ask you to, to talk about the distances because it's not like you, you just like will go like one or two miles together. So how was that experience of the, of the 50K? Oh, it was beautiful. Sometimes during our training runs, Paula gets done at half an hour, but she knows that I'm gone for more and more hours because when I come home, she's very happy that I've come home from the long run. She knows more of the time that we're going to do it. You know, she knew that this race, this was the one we were going to do together. And so I do a lot of running long distances on trails. Uh, but this one was flat, and so it was accessible to her rolling in a big, huge stroller. And so she was excited. Like, we drove four hours. She hates long car rides. She likes little ones. It was a lot for her. But then when we got the, we call it her chariot, we got it out, and I'm like, are you ready for this race? It's going to be really long. And she, she was like, yes, I'm ready. And the... I checked on her at each of the aid stations. Some, my wife was at some of them, and she would shush us away. She was enjoying. She wanted to just keep going. And it was a night race, so there was, like, beautiful, like, night. She loves the light that comes off her stroller, the way that it illuminates the world. And it was just beautiful for all of us for 11 and a half hours, 31 miles. That's awesome. <laughs> For maybe other autistic people out there listening that are maybe considering, you know, taking up running, or maybe they're not considering, um, what would you say would be the potential benefits to other autistics if they did uh, take up running? I mean, like, I feel like all of the autistic people that I've talked to agree that that enjoy running, and that after they've run, everything that feels dis like because it's like regulating yourself to i say i've reached homeostasis after a run it like turns all the dials because i'm trying to get everything evened out so that i feel good you know shake my hands enough you know bounce around enough do all those things enough and running is all of those things it, and including you know I don't like a lot of loud noise, but when I'm running, I like loud music in my ears, often the same song over and over. And it just puts me in this place of pure joy, happiness. And I feel like every other autistic person I've talked to that runs is like, yes. And then it helps with all of those other issues that come along with being autistic for a lot of people, like motor skills and coordination and things like that. Because, I mean, I don't personally like tripping and falling in public, so it's helped out a lot. Hmm. Uh, so, I'm interested, like, in terms of the regulation, 
like not everyone's going to run a 30 mile race or, or wants to, but like, is there like a point where you feel like, uh, you know, is it, is it a mile? Is it two miles? Is it five miles? Is it 10 miles where you feel it helps you to, to regulate after this distance or does that fluctuate for you? I mean, for sure, I feel great after a mile, but I mean, if I'm stimming and I'm allowed to stim for eight hours, I'm still going to go for eight hours. (laughs) So it's, you know, a mile is still great. Even half a mile in the beginning was awesome. For me, the long distance running allured me because it's called endurance running. And like I said, in the beginning, I have a lot of pain from my life. Like it just, the moment I mention it, I'm consumed by sadness so I found a way to channel that into something because they talk in endurance running about it's not about how fast or how far you can run. It's about how much pain you can take. And I can take a lot of pain. And so I thought I started running because I want to be able to be visible as an autistic person. And I knew that I was this huge guy that could take a whole lot of pain, lose a whole lot of weight and run really far. So that's why I do the ultra running, but you can run a mile and get the benefit from running. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, beyond uh, this, this interview, how can people learn more, more about you and maybe connect Uh, with you? I have an Instagram that I post my running stuff on every day. And I talk to people on there. I enjoy the social media socializing. And so that's uh, running with Paula, my daughter. And I will say if people um, follow you on Instagram, they'll see a lot of cute pictures with you and Kala. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Selfie every day. <laughs> well, Ryan, I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, thanks so much for making time to talk with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks so much to Ryan for the conversation. To learn more about Ryan, check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. It was so great to hear about how Ryan and his daughter have grown their relationship through running because with Autism Personal Coach, we help people grow the relationships in their lives, many times through their passions or their special interests. If you'd be interested in learning more about how Autism Personal Coach can help you in this area of your life, then book a free call with me today. The link to book the call can be found in the podcast description for this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they can have the same enjoyable experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would very much be appreciated. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, we will talk about being a praxic when you are a non-speaker. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.